Hello, listeners. Welcome to our final episode of the Longitudes of Imagination series. Throughout the series, we've shared conversations with the leadership team of the Mayflower Autonomous Ship 400 Project. I'm Tony Zhou, a Longitude Fellow at Yale University. And I'm Jane McAdams, a Longitude Fellow from Rice University. We hope you've enjoyed this series as much as we have. In this episode, Tony and I will discuss a few highlights and topics that stood out to us. We started off with a conversation with Brett Faniff, who's the co-director of the Mayflower 400. Such a brilliant guy. We spoke a lot about AI ethics and his vision for the Mayflower 400. I think it was really interesting how his vision goes so much more than what is currently the Mayflower 400, because he hopes one day that this ship will traverse the seas. And if it finds something that it is curious about, it will look at the sample and send it back to scientists who would be on land so that they can explore and do more research on whatever this ship finds. Yeah, I think that's really cool because something you just mentioned is like what the ship is curious about. I think that's a really interesting way to put it because this whole project was really driven by Brett and Don's curiosity about researching the ocean. And then they came up with this kind of crazy concept to really take something that didn't exist and push it to the boundaries and create a full deliverable. And now their goal for the ship is actually to be curious in and of itself. And I think that's a really interesting way that human creativity is sparking creativity in a machine. And I also think it's interesting because Brett's creativity sparked Don's creativity when it came to this project. There was that quote that Don said where uh, him and Brett are standing at the edge of a cliff and Brett asks Don if he wants to jump off and then kind of just shoves Don off with him. And then Don has to create a roadmap from nothing and really just go from no idea at all to creating a final product. And I think that's something that engineers are actually really good at. So personally, I thought that was really cool. And I liked how Brett uh, really has a vision for where this is going to go. Where do you think Don gets his creativity and imagination from? Well, I think Don mentioned that he gets a lot of his creativity and imagination from um, learning from his dad when he was a little kid. His dad was a geologist who used to dive down to the bottom of the sea to collect samples. So Don's had this fascination with the ocean and ocean engineering. And him and Brett have been working on projects in the ocean engineering field for, you know, 30 years. So it's interesting how people can draw creativity from a lot of different sources. When I asked Brett the same thing about who he draws creativity and imagination from or who his influences are, he also spoke about his parents. The, the things that he actually talked about were how they instilled like values of working hard and like education. And so to me, when I think of that, then I would think of someone who's like very rigorous when it comes to academics. But when you speak with Brett, he's like so out there with his ideas. But at the same time, I think he thinks very methodically and kind of like how Don as well talked about. They both think in like first principles. You had mentioned that engineers are really purpose-driven and they're independent thinkers. And I think that really aligned with also what Don was saying, right? But at the same time, what is it with the, the stereotype that engineers aren't really that creative? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting thing because engineers can be incredibly creative, but it does require them to be motivated and engaged in what they're working on. For example, I've noticed in my own like work at school that a lot of times professors, for example, will give you a problem and an equation and tell you to solve it. And while an engineer absolutely can do that, we don't necessarily want to. We'd rather be given, like Don, this blank piece of paper and a blank map and told to figure out how to do it for ourselves. And I think that's kind of what Carrie's saying has happened on this project. The engineers haven't been given something specific and said, you have to do it this way. Instead, they've been given this really big bowl and told to figure out how to reach it. And I think that's where engineer creativity really shines. And I think Jonathan actually kind of makes a point to engage people from the very beginning of the story. And that brings in how engineers need to be brought in at the very base levels because they need to be part of the people coming up with that problem solving process and taking it from point A all the way to point Z. If you just bring people in towards halfway through a project or you know when the Mayflower is actually successful and accomplishing its voyage across the ocean, people aren't gonna be as engaged and motivated. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting that you pointed that out. All right, so if you had to pick between being that engineering mind like Don or that creative visionary like Brett, what would you pick? Yeah, I mean, I think that where I am right now would probably put me more at the engineering, hands-on, creating all the steps, like where Don is. But I think that I'd like to work in my career towards being a more visionary person like Brett, because I think when you create a vision, you can make so much happen and really expand the future of technology and really utilize the skill sets of the people around you. If you're creating a vision, you can bring anyone in and say, hey, what do you think about this project? And I think that's really fascinating. Because Jonathan does the opposite, right? Like Jonathan is, he's the one that injects that storytelling or that narrative to a project and then when he spoke with molly he was like i wish i learned more about coding i wish i learned more technical stuff and if i had to go back i would probably be studying oceanography right now so like i don't know maybe it's just like humans we we just think the grass is always greener on the other side yeah i mean i think it's a combination of that and also the fact that to really be successful at anything i feel like you need to know about a lot of different things. You can be an expert in one field and know almost everything there is to know in that field. But if you can't make cross-sectional relationships to other fields or tie it back to why it would matter, then nobody's gonna go deep into your research and really dig into that one specific point because they, they won't understand it as well as you. So you need to be able to really show why your research matters across a variety of fields and why what you're creating is important. And I think that ties in to what a lot of our interviewees spoke about when they talked about being interdisciplinary and having various, like I think Brett talks about really loving to read and being an avid reader at one point. And Jonathan talks about how he was a humanities major and really had this great grasp of history and philosophy, but he wishes he could code. It all ties back to wishing that you can tie your knowledge into the knowledge of another field. Yeah, definitely. I think 
all of them come from such unique backgrounds. Brett identified as an anthropologist, and yet he's working at like the forefront of AI. Carrie started off in journalism, I believe. You know, she ended up working uh, in in corporate and managing people. And even Don, I think he he draws from like I, I remember in his interview, he was saying one of his mentors worked on like medical imaging and that's where he also got like a bit of his ideas from and so like everyone kind of draws from places all over and then they channel that towards their own projects would you want to be someone of like a lot of breath and just like learn broadly or would you want to be that person on a team who knew like one thing very solid I think that for me, I would want to be someone who has a breadth of knowledge because I think you can always find an expert in a field, but I think it's sometimes harder to find someone to make connections for you. So I think being able to be the person that makes those connections across the field would be really cool to do. It's interesting that you bring up how all of these people draw from different resources and have different backgrounds. Because if you look at what they all want for the future of this ship, it kind of ties into that. They don't want this project to be something that's like a one and done. They don't want it to be something that only makes an impact in the specific field of fully autonomous ships going from the UK to the US collecting ocean research. They want this to be something that really has an impact across various fields and paves the way for augmented intelligence in yes, the ocean industry, but also in other industries and really just opens people's eyes to what augmented or artificial, Don likes to call it augmented so it doesn't scare people, but what augmented intelligence can really do for the world as a whole. So like kind of what are your thoughts on either, you know, what you think AI can do in the future or just, what the interviewees think about AI. I think the last interview we had Andy, he spoke a lot about transferable tech or like transferable skills, how he would want to apply all of the things that are successful for the Mayflower 400 to new projects. Brett also talked about it in his vision for it and how he would want it to be implemented into like cargo ships like that. That's a huge thing. I remember he mentioned how like there's bias in ocean data because so much of it is unexplored that the data we do have about the ocean is only like the little parts of the sea that we do have data on. So he would want to apply that to all all the unknown parts of the ocean. And where do I think AI is going to go? I think AI is eventually just going to be something that is like, like our cell phones. Like it's, it's going to be built or uh, modeled in a way that will help us, that will improve our lives. At the same time, I think there's also sort of well, how Brett talked about like this like fear towards AI. And I think Don also talked about it because people don't really understand exactly what's going on. So it's interesting. And as someone who is studying and learning about data science and machine learning, I mean, it, it's a super fascinating field. And the whole world is literally open for you to find problems to solve. And I think that's really interesting. And this is just such a good example of a use case for AI.
Yeah, absolutely. AI is, I think, one of the best examples of imagination and creativity in the technological, because like you said, it can be used for almost everything, but people are scared of it. And I think one of the things about imagination and creativity and innovation is that the unknown is always gonna cause a little bit of fear and people are always gonna be hesitant to trust something that they don't understand or that they've never seen before. But I think what makes the Mayflower Project so fascinating and such a good example of how to get people invested in something completely foreign to them is that it really has brought people together and they've been able to watch the story from the beginning all the way through. And the team has just been so open, for example, letting us interview them and telling us all of their stories and things that they've been motivated by or been scared of during the process. They've been able to share that with people. And I think that makes the project so much more human and makes AI so much more human, but not in the way that people are scared of. So I really enjoyed hearing about that on the project. And I think the future of AI is a fascinating realm. Definitely. This brings us to the end of our episode and the Longitudes of Imagination series. Tune in next for our series on space technology. Follow Longitude on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn to make sure you don't miss the release of the next Longitude Soundbite series. You can also visit our website, longitude.site, S-I-T-E, for more information and content.